Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of our Seven Investing Podcast. My name is Simon Erickson. I'm founder and CEO of Seven Investing, and today we're going to be talking about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies. These are things that are, are an enigma and a challenge for most of us to understand, but we brought in an expert to make sense of them today. My guest is Spencer Randall. He is the co-founder and principal at CryptoEQ, which is helping all of us make sense of the cryptocurrency markets. Hey, Spence, thanks for joining Seven Investing here this morning. Thanks for having me on, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here. We're going to talk about a bunch of things today. One thing I'd like to ask you about would be the status quo of where we stand with cryptocurrencies. And I'll also spot you up with some use cases to see how things are going out there. But let's start at the 10,000 foot level first. Uh, you founded CryptoEQ uh, a little more than a year ago, and your stated goal is it, what I see to uh, make cryptocurrency from being complex to much more simple. Can you explain to me why you founded this company and, and what your goals for CryptoEQ are? Yeah, uh, the founding principles, you know, like you said, we are crypto enthusiasts at heart. Um, we've been in the space for years and years. Uh, combined 15 years experience amongst the partners. And we acknowledge that crypto is very complex. It's very difficult. It's very hard to wrap your head around. And so we found a crypto EQ to make that simple, to make learning about crypto simple. So uh, we exist to simplify investing, trading, and learning about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. That's great. And, you know, as a stock market investor, and our audience is typically individual investors here at Seven Investing, we look at a lot of fundamental metrics, earnings, cash flows, anything else that flows through the, the cash flow statement, the income statement, the balance sheet. Are there similar fundamental aspects of cryptocurrencies that you can just methodically dig into and figure out what the best opportunities are out there? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Simon. So when when you think about the playbook that works for equities and uh, fundamental analysis, and then you look at crypto, uh, I think most people admit you need to rewrite the playbook and you need to write a new playbook. You need to write a, create a new system um, because you know, what's the balance sheet of, of Bitcoin look like, right? What does their corporate governance model look like? Well, it's decentralized and there's no CEO and the founding team is pseudo anonymous. So, it, with finding teams anonymous, so how how do you uh, how do you evaluate that team, right? So we wrote a, a new system at CryptoEQ, just like our trading signals, our, our fundamental analysis is built from the ground up from scratch with ten core categories. So regardless of what crypto you're talking about, you have this common frame of reference and our methodology and our system for evaluating the fundamentals of any given crypto. I think that's fantastic. And I've seen um, comparisons to what you're doing at CryptoEQ to what Morningstar did for years with investing, you know, kind of putting some analysis into each one of the, the cryptocurrencies that are out there so we can make sense of it. Um, Spence, let's, let's talk about what's going on in cryptocurrency world. And, and this is a bit outside of my circle of competence, so I'm going to, to pass the ball to you to explain this to me. But you have described um, the last time you and I chatted that we could be in a period of consolidation for Bitcoin and Ethereum and a couple other cryptocurrencies out there. What does that mean? Yeah, so <clears throat> it was uh, earlier in the year that, that you and I connected and uh, we were in a sideways pattern um, with a lot of the large cap cryptos. 
Um, but, you know, checking in on the market, you know, a lot's changed and things can move fast in, in crypto. Um, so year to date, Bitcoin's up 50%. Um, year to date, Ethereum's up 170%. And when you compare that to things that I'm sure your audience is, is watching daily, um, the S&P 500 is up 5% on the year. The NASDAQ 100 is up 29% on the year. Gold's up 25% on the year. So all these things that, that we kind of would watch daily when we're trading you know, more traditional markets, um, the blue chip cryptos are outperforming them uh, by a large margin. Um, so you know, at Crypto EQ, our job is to watch the crypto market. And I think that we're seeing the beginning of a longer pattern uh, and a sustained move to the upside. So I think we've broken out of that um, consolidation that you and I talked about earlier in the year. And are we starting to see companies embrace and adopt cryptocurrencies? It, it seems like the headlines tend to focus around Warren Buffett calling it rat poison, right? Or Ray Dalio calling it a speculative bubble. But then you've got other people like Jack Dorsey building cryptocurrency um, trading or even app, um, transactions directly into Cash App, right, that he's using for Square. So, I mean, is there kind of the companies that are the innovators out there that are really all in and embracing this? And then another group of companies that seems like they're resisting this move to crypto? Yeah, I think it's a, a very gradual process. Um, you know, you mentioned some gotcha headlines from some prolific investors. Um, you know, everyone you, you just mentioned, I, I have immense amount of respect for. Um, I think the closer um, crypto is to a thought leader's area of competency, the faster they get it. Um, so when you talk about people like uh, Buffett and Dalio, um, I think it, it may take longer for them to fully appreciate the value proposition of cryptocurrencies if they ever uh, really do come around, right? It may just not be for them. But when you mentioned tech investors like Dorsey or Peter Thiel, some of the early thought leaders to really embrace this technology uh, and quickly either uh, add positions to their portfolio um, of actual crypto companies or integrate it into their businesses and their existing businesses. Um, so I think you've got thought leaders on both sides of the fence even today. Um, but the gradual kind of trend that I'm seeing is, um, and it took me years to fully wrap my head around the value proposition of Bitcoin. Once people get it, um, the more they learn about it, the more conviction and confidence they have in, in the space. So one of the really big uh, recent headlines is uh, Bitcoin and corporate treasuries. So in, in the you know, economic uncertainty of today's climate, um, and when, when you think through, okay, what do you do with cash, right? So you've got, you've got people that have, you know, immense amount of cash in their corporate treasuries and they don't want to leave, uh, all that asset in cash. So where, where could they allocate it? Well, gold, gold's been attractive, right? That's kind of a, a nice default play. Um, but what else could you do? And so you have people like Michael Saylor, the CEO of MicroStrategies, uh, the ticker for everyone out there in the audience is MSTR, um, they allocated 425 million in cash in their corporate treasuries to Bitcoin. Um, so I think of them as a leader in terms of how you think of your corporate treasury. And uh, now Michael Saylor is one of the biggest Bitcoin bulls in, in our industry. Um, so the more, you know, as time goes on, I think we'll have more people like Peter Thiel, like Jack Dorsey, like Michael Saylor. Uh, and there's the list goes on and on um, that continue to help educate uh, the public about, what Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies can do. 
I, uh, I spoke with Jeremy Almond earlier this year. He's the CEO of a company called Paystand out in California. He calls uh, he calls blockchains the, the new cloud, cloud 2.0. He sees this as a platform. Uh, and even, even the cloud was kind of a platform that built upon e-commerce too, right? So he, he sees comparisons between what Amazon did with e-commerce, where all of a sudden these tools are out there for the right company to take advantage of, innovate on, and just plow ahead of its competitors by using these new tools. Do you think there are a handful of companies that are the early leaders in adopting blockchains or even individual cryptocurrencies that puts them a step ahead of their competitors right now? Yes, uh, yes, it's another great point. Uh, I think that uh, it'll get to a point where you, you have to integrate uh, blockchains and cryptocurrencies in some means uh, to stay competitive because it's so disruptive. Uh, when you think about payment processors, um, you know, Square was one of the early adopters to integrate Bitcoin. Um, PayPal has now followed. Um, when you think about enterprise blockchains, I think that's a little bit of a different. Uh, with the payments use case and exchanging value peer-to-peer -peer, um, or, you know, B2B, I think we're further along. I think with enterprise blockchains, we still have a lot of infrastructure to build. Um, it's a very competitive space. This, you know, uh, smart contract infrastructure is very competitive. There's a number of projects that are viable solutions at scale. Um, Ethereum is the one that has the most network effects built around it. Um, it's in the crypto world, it's a household name. It's got the most developer activity. Um, it's even taught in, in curriculums now across the world uh, as a, as the default um, blockchain language solidity, the default language to code in if you're going to develop blockchains. Um, now, there's a lot of network effects, but they're, they're working very hard in releasing a scalable Ethereum 2.0. So right now the bottleneck with enterprise blockchains is the, the leader in the infrastructure, which is Ethereum, um, has a, a, an immense challenge. It needs to scale, it needs to scale fast because it's got so much attention and so much use um, that the network is, is bottlenecked um, with uh, transaction fees, what are called gas, gas fees. Um, so similar to the bottleneck we experienced in Bitcoin when people wanted to trade it up in 2017 and transaction fees were really high, Ethereum is now experiencing that because there's so much attention and use. And so you know, the option after that is, well, it can grow and it can solve those problems or something else can, can outmaneuver it. And that's kind of the question that is posed to the market right now is, is an Ethereum competitor going to move in and, and take some of that market share for enterprise blockchains and smart contract technology? Or will Ethereum 2.0 um, grow and scale and, and solve these scaling issues and continue to be the dominant smart contract language? That's kind of the, the, the narrative that's unfolding in the crypto world that um, we're, we're watching very closely at CryptoEQ. Yes, I can imagine that, Spence, and a lot of moving parts to every one of those narratives. Uh, just to have some fun here with the interview, uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to spot you up with four use cases for okay. cryptocurrencies. Not necessarily Bitcoin specific, not necessarily Ethereum specific, but just the overall use case. And I'd like you to give each of these a, uh, a traction score. And I don't have a better name for that, I apologize. But the idea is a one to 10 ranking of how likely and how important this will be within the next five years of actually gaining adoption and gaining traction. 
So a score of one is this is a, this is, there was no way this is possibly going to happen. This is a pie in the sky idea that no one's going to actually get behind. A 10 is an absolutely, this will definitely catch on. We're going to start seeing this everywhere. Uh, does that sound fair game, Spencer? Do you understand the rules of the game? Sounds like a fun game. <laughs> okay, first and foremost, the first use case is exactly the one that you mentioned earlier, which is Bitcoin being used in corporate treasuries uh, where companies, especially global companies, are putting their cash into cryptocurrencies. And the time horizon is five years or less? Five years. Yep, five years for every one of these. Yep. I mean, it's, well, it's already happened, so I, I'd give it a nine. I think, um, I think that uh, more people will follow uh, MicroStrategy in that uh, approach, especially in the next two years. Okay, great. Nine for corporate treasuries. Um, Second use case is people using Bitcoin as a digital gold, as a store of value. Yeah, so more on the retail front, uh, getting away from corporate treasuries. Um, Yeah, I would say um, I'd give that an eight. Um, Just very quickly, uh, comparing, you know, Bitcoin to gold, you know, I would say uh, Bitcoin is more portable, uh, more verifiable, more divisible, more scarce, um, and it's also censorship resistant. Uh, so, you know, these kind of like staple properties of money, Bitcoin does out, out compete gold um, as sound money. There are a few things that it gives up ground on to gold, um, namely durability. It's not it's digital, it's not physical, but um, in most areas, I think Bitcoin is better money than gold. Okay, so, so two, uh, two solid hits there, one for corporate treasuries, one for a store of value on the retail side of it. Uh, let's, let's think global here. You know, how about there's a lot of foreign exchange and, and fees that are, that are being applied to people just trying to transact or send money uh, in different currencies around the world. What would be your traction score for using cryptocurrencies for global remittance? There's, I mean, there's projects like XRP where they're founded for global remittance. So I would say I would put that at a five because of the time horizon. Um, we haven't seen as much traction on that front. Um, I haven't seen a uh, digital asset emerge that can handle the throughput of something like a Visa network or uh, the, the legacy SWIFT system or uh, all of the payment processing that uh, you know, the entrenched remittances, remittance companies do. Um, I haven't seen as much traction there personally. So I put that as a five. Okay, fair enough. Five for that one. And my last use case for you, this was something I thought was rather interesting, was a company called Kraken was uh, just introduced as the first cryptocurrency exchange to actually secure a bank charter uh, where you actually have access to uh, federal payments infrastructure and can more kind of seamlessly integrate with a lot of the existing infrastructure that's out there. I believe that Kraken is now have its charter to operate in Wyoming and actually conduct transactions. Um, Spence, what do, you, what do you think about cryptocurrency exchanges gaining bank charters in the future, next five years? Depending on the, uh, the, the crypto exchange, I think it's great um, for the traction score. You know, I think that you'll see other exchanges follow Kraken, so I'd give that a 10. Yeah, I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another major exchange that obtains a bank charter this year. Yeah, I think um, 
in order to stay competitive with uh, Kraken, you'd, you'd want to, right? So, you know, Coinbase, Gemini, uh, a number of other, you know, great exchanges. Um, I wouldn't want Kraken to have too much of a head start there if I were, if I were in their shoes. Especially considering the switching costs and the stickiness of banks that we've gotten used to over the years, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about if you're if you're a if you like to trade and invest with Kraken, think of how nice it is that you can uh, have your uh, potentially have your your fiat and your crypto insured. Um, that part's still, you know, is it going to be FDIC insured? Uh, that part's still up in the air. Um, I think that it's possible, whether it's offered out the gate. Um, is TBD. So I, I'm watching that closely as well. Is that going to be a key part of the, the, the thesis for transactions that people maybe right now don't like the volatility of holding Bitcoin or Ethereum because they could go up and down in value so much versus cash, which is not going to. If you get an insurance or an FDI and C insurance for something like that, does that change the game of using crypto for everyday transactions? I think, uh, you know, the fact that like close family and friends are now asking me about it, it kind of shows that the market sentiment's shifting. You know, I don't, I don't push crypto on anybody. You know, if people want to ask questions, absolutely. And I'd like to talk. I love talking about this stuff. So I've got family and friends that want to have that conversation now. And, you know, this time last year, they were hard no. So I think that um, the more you see kind of what makes you comfortable about the traditional uh, financial system, um, step into the crypto world, um, the more you'll have a bridge to go between the crypto world and the traditional world. And um, I think insurance uh, helps people feel more comfortable with the downside risk. It makes a lot of sense. I, I've just got a couple more for you here, Spence. The first one is um, I would really like to hear your thoughts on who is or who are Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> Uh, he, she, or they uh, are brilliant minds, uh, is a brilliant mind. I, I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about the mystery, um, more so appreciating their gift to the world. Um, there are people that really do investigate a significant amount of time trying to sort that out. And I, I, I haven't really ever found it fascinating. I, I like um, thinking about what's possible now that they've given this, this awesome gift. Um, yeah. Fair enough, Spence. Even though I personally do find it fascinating and, and I would love to have answers on who Bitcoin's anonymous founder or founders truly are I, and where in the world they actually are these days. I wish I had answers for you, Simon. I, tru I truthfully do not. That's okay. Spence, yeah. your identity is safe with me. You can remain anonymous for the time being. That's totally fine. Um, another question is brokerages. How, how is, uh, do you have any brokerages that you recommend for people that do want to actually buy or sell Bitcoin? I don't know if you promote any. I don't want to make it too uh, too political, but do you know of yeah. any that, that are commonly used that people can get access to this? Yeah. Um, at CryptoEQ.io, we list three exchanges as affiliates. Um, so there's three exchanges that we trust, and that's Kraken, um, Coinbase, and Gemini. Um, so all the founders have used these exchanges and uh, would recommend their services. We don't take any kickbacks outside of affiliate fees. So... Um, it's not a paid relationship. Uh, it's just a, a genuine recommendation. 
Great. Yeah. Thank you for those. And I saw that you also just recently or, um, recently upgraded your own site. You're at version four now and had some, some new yeah. features that you added. What are you excited about that you guys are working on right now? Yeah. The mantra is always be launching, right? Uh, as startups, you've got to be agile and fast. And um, so we've, we've launched four versions of the site. Version four launched last week. What we're really excited about with version four is um, we've built out a, a landing page that really explains the value proposition of each individual aspect of our, our services. Um, we also launched our advertising services to complement our consulting services. Um, and from version two and onward, we've always had our subscription. That's really been our bread and butter. Um, so we provide a lot of free content, a lot of research, a lot of straightforward market insights right out the gate, completely free to all users. Uh, but then there's other tools that we offer as upsells. Um, and so we've really just added on to, as a user, what you can do to take the next step in your journey. So we've always had that strong foundation, um, but we've layered on more opportunities for our users, customers, and clients as we've grown and as, we, as we've launched more versions of the site. That's fantastic, Spence. Now, now, other than us signing up for Crypto EQ and getting access to your brilliant mind and seeing what's really going on in cryptocurrency world, um, our audience is mostly individual investors. You know, we, we look more at, at stock markets and publicly traded companies, but we're interested in what's going on out there. Uh, it certainly impacts the entire world and markets everywhere that this is gaining traction. What are a couple of things that you think that we should be paying attention to that's going on with cryptocurrencies? Um, I wouldn't recommend this as a first step, but if you, if you are familiar with Bitcoin and Ethereum and, or you develop some familiarity with it, reading more about decentralized finance um, and reading more about DeFi uh, would behoove anyone that's ready for a more advanced, more advanced exposure to cryptocurrencies and blockchains. Um, decentralized finance is, the infrastructure has been developing for years, but it really gained a lot of public attention this year. Um, and to me, it, it really kind of mirrors what happened in 2017 with the initial coin offerings. Um, so with that exuberance, you had, um, like Ethereum was, was one of the first ICOs, right? So you had really great things come out of it, like Ethereum, right? Ethereum's ICO, I believe was in uh, 2015, maybe 2016. Uh, but then you also had a bunch of things follow that weren't uh, necessarily here to stay. And so you're, I think that's happening again with DeFi. There's going to be these great DeFi projects. There's going to be a handful of great DeFi projects. But there's going to be a bunch that may not be here to stay and uh, you know, may, not, may not be lasting. So identifying those, those winners early uh, is a challenge. But can, the, I mean, the upside is incredible, right? I mean, you could, you could do 100x if you find the right DeFi project. Um, very similar to ICOs. So for, if you're looking for asymmetric risks and outside, outsized returns, um, DeFi is something to be watching and something to learn about. Well, thank you very much again, Spencer Randall. He's the, the co-founder and principal at CryptoEQ. Uh, their website is CryptoEQ.io. Uh, I have checked it out several times. I've learned quite a bit there. And Spencer, thanks very much for spending the time here with 7investing today. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for having us on. And thank you for tuning in to this episode. We are here to empower you to invest in your future. We are 7investing.
reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. And before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult with a financial or tax professional.